And we are back. Welcome to this new episode of the Downtime Talks and thank you for turning in. On this show, I'm speaking with guests about trending topics in our industry, innovation ideas and new ways of eliminating downtime in construction. I'm Son Brogard, CEO here at Tracuna. It's my true pleasure to welcome today's two um, uh, panelists, I guess I can call it, since we have two of you. Louisa, welcome to the show, and Romy. Without any further ado, I will uh, just hand over the word to you guys so that our audience can get a good introduction to your company and what you do, and we'll get into today's topic. Over to you, Louisa. Amazing. Uh, well, obviously, first of all, thank you so much for having uh, Romy and I on the podcast. We'll need to get you on the podcast too. Um, brief introduction to your listeners. Uh, my name's Louisa or Lou Dickens, uh, co-founder of LMRE. And what do LMRE do? Um, so back end of 2018, pre-pandemic, uh, I decided I wanted to run the first global built environment technology recruitment firm. And so spent the next year running around the world on a desperate attempt to really, well, go to every digital construction week, Cretech, MIPIN, Built Worlds, to try and understand what growth there was in contact, prop tech and so forth, and what uh, the key movers and shakers um, are, so obviously similar to track unit, really, um, which is fun and exhausting. But um, since then, we've, um, God, five years later, billions of dollars, pounds and euros of investment, obviously, into the built environment, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners have probably experienced themselves. Um, we have three offices in New York, London, and Singapore that hire for this space. So some of the clients could be a pre-seed post-IPO construction technology business. So you might know the likes of, God, who are the big names? Like Open Space, Bill Dot, Onsite IQ, um, but as well as working with, say, the investment managers, the real estate global agencies or developers like Graystar, Brookfield, CBRE, JOL, to really help build out their data and digitalization teams. And then we've got some incredible partnerships with some VCs pumping money into the spaces, which is what we obviously all like. And those are uh, Fifth Wheel, PropTech One, who have obviously numerous construction technology investments. And really, um, it's, I mean, we've done this growth all down to um, our amazing teams. We've got 50 consultants and one of them is um, joining the call, who I call our contact queen. Her name is Romy, and um, I'll let her introduce um, introduce herself. But um, no, such a pleasure to have uh, to be on this uh, show. So thank you. Thanks, Louisa. Lou, always keeping me humble there. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, firstly, for having me on the show. First podcast I'm doing with Lou, which is super exciting. Um, just for a bit of flavor, so prior to LMRE, I worked at a company called BizNow, which is a commercial real estate media tech company. And I suppose that's where I started having exposure to key players in the space. So GCs, owners, investors, developers, I was building brand partnerships with them. And I think that's when I really started to see the need for like innovation, disruption, and just generally like challenging the status quo of this archaic industry. I actually had the honor of leading the company's most successful women leading real estate event there, which got incredible feedback. And I think that's when I started to make DEI the forefront of my work, not just my personal passion as well. 
So I joined LMRE to spearhead the construction technology division just under a year ago now. Um, I lead on that, but I also lead on our internal and external DEI strategies. So that's really around forming strategic partnerships with VCs, like 25 Ventures. Um, We've become the official recruitment partner of Women in Contact, which is an amazing organization launched by Antonia Soler and Julieta Moretti. Uh, We do our DEI Digest, which is a thought leadership series highlighting champions in the space. But last but not least, I think the key thing here is ensuring that our clients are minimizing the bias during the hiring process. And then obviously the candidates, we have thousands in our database. We want them to know that the people we're working with are really going above and beyond to, to foster an environment which is really, you know, looking for DE, DEI sorry, at the core, core of it. Hey, that, <laughs> that could be a new one. <laughs> that's lovely. But what, a, what a pleasure to have both of you on the call here. So, Romy, um, love, love that background. Love your passion for DEI, DEI. And that's exactly what we want to talk about today. To, to kick us off, I have this opening question here for you, which is, what does downtime mean to you? Just the, what's the intuitive uh, thought that comes to mind when you hear that? Um, shall I get, so Romy and I uh, laughed at this question because I think we're both very like <laughs> high energy people, quite intense. Um, and then I was like, so I looked it up in like the Oxford Dictionary, classic Brit. And um, it said time during which machine is out of action. And then the North American definition was like time spent when one is not working active and seeming as we're not machines, although I feel like hmm. sometimes we act like it. Um, uh, I think if I do get that downtime, I like spending it outdoors, um, just running, not listening to anything, not like having permanent access to my phone. I have the same phone for my work and personal, which is criminal. And I'm sure most people listening probably do the same. And if I'm not doing that, it has a large glass of red wine, watching the endless rain pour down outside my house in London, really. <laughs> That's a that good one. Me. <laughs> and you, Romy? Yeah, I mean, whether you call me or Lou, intense, jolly, nuts, I don't really know. But we're definitely high energy. And I think that comes with the job. So for me, I think the risk is if you like save downtime for a weekend or for a set spot, that's when you get burnout. So every day, whether it's, I mean, I get my downtime by vibing off other people and just letting them refuel my own energy. So whether it's like a FaceTime to my mum or 10 between meetings or uh, a coffee with colleagues, just having that interaction where you can step away from work, refuel and then go back in, I think is the the key thing for me. Or a glass of vino, like Lou said, always helpful. Yeah, let's be honest. Super nice. <laughs> hey, I, li- I like that. Uh, great, uh, great answer. Great um, to hear that you're taking it serious and know that it might be actually one of your uh, development areas, an area to watch for at least. Mm-hmm. So let's let's take a look at uh, this wonderful topic of people and construction. And uh, we are talking very often about making construction an attractive industry to attract talent. Personally, I find the word talent a little bit of a difficult um, way of expressing uh, people's abilities because I've, I actually view all people as talented people and it's more a matter mm-hmm. of the environment, the leadership, and what you ask them to do and how you actually are able to motivate them. 
But I think it's fair to say that we are an industry that uh, has had a hard time attracting people, men, women, anyone in that uh, women without construction. What are some of your, what, what's your take on attracting uh, people into our industry? And what are some of the potential learnings that you're taking with you from PropTech or from other industries that you think we can apply in construction? Yeah, I think we'll probably split it into maybe um, uh, two points of what I guess the learnings from prop tech and content then we can sort of go into how what we've seen like works of our clients in terms of um, attracting talent. Um, Romy, do you want to start us off or would you like me to go? Um, either or. How about you start with the learnings from, from prop tech and real estate and then I'm happy to dive into where I feel like the businesses should invest in order to to keep that talent. Yeah, for sure. So I guess we've, um, let's call it spade to spade, it's been a pretty tough uh, last year down to the economy, uh, geopolitical factors, various things like that. So, but despite all of that, there's been a huge amount of investment or capitals you've got. So all technologies who have investment, they need to deploy, they need to grow. So it's, you know, it is an opportunity for some of those businesses. Um, so that obviously creates obviously a mass uh, need for demand for good talent but where you know where is it coming from do and it's all around specialized skills it's around um i'll actually share some data which i looked from looked on our database so in the past like three years we've seen a steady growth of uh data hires by 40 percent engineers 50 percent. this is in prop tech and contact um uh real estate or contact software sales people has been increased by 30 percent so with this, you've got to ask the question, right, where are we going to find these people from? Are people aware of this industry, aware of the growth? Obviously, track unit, you mentioned, been around for 25 years. But mm -hmm. are students thinking about, you know, going, rather than going into fintech, going into contact? So the same mm -hmm. things happened within PropTech. I would say, in terms of learnings, I think both sectors are both learning. Both sectors are learning about the importance of engaging with people uh, at different sort of backgrounds for different sort of schools, education to actually see them uh, look at this industry as a proper sort of career path. Um, and then I, I will go into this a bit later, but there's also such now an opportunity for us to actually hire in this challenging time, the best talent ever. There's so many um, uh, candidates coming from adjacent industries due to the mass redundancy, sadly, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Thinking, hey, maybe this is maybe this is a route. And then around contact, mm -hmm. you know, before we hopped on this, we talked about how we can really tie sustainability into this. Lots mm -hmm. of people want to go work for more of an impactful company. Lots of people now want to go mm -hmm. work for you know a growth stage business, and are really entertaining this sector. So that's great. But in terms of, I feel like the prop tech and context space are very closely interlinked um, mm -hmm. and facing the same challenges. Um, but it's where you, where they're both trying to find people from and access that talent pool is the challenge they both get because it's all around the same skills. Mm -hmm. Romy, what have you, um, what would you say about that? Yeah, I just wanted to add on. I know um, you mentioned talent hasn't got an age limit and I completely agree. And we should definitely tie that into our conversation later because I think that's often a part of DEI, which gets missed, actually, are people almost being ageist. I don't know if we could mm. use that. Um, but when thinking of Gen Z, in terms of real estate and construction, if you take tech out, 
there's obviously a labor shortage there. But to make those industries more attractive, tech has a huge, huge pull factor because you have, you know, young people who are wanting to be at the forefront of innovation and disruption. Like Lou said, it's very attractive being start of a part of a startup, having that equity option, but also AI, VR, IoT, robotics. These are cool things to be involved in. And I think the industry is learning, learning to package it up differently and, mm-hmm. and create awareness around the new opportunities um, within the space. So it's a super exciting time, but everything does take, you know, patience is key. This shift isn't going to happen overnight. And it's just about really exposing those opportunities to um, the younger generations. So they're aware. Super nice. Um, so when we, when we talk about uh, what type of recommendations that you guys are entertaining with your clients and, and maybe more broadly to our listeners, what are the things to watch out for? What are some of the best practices to attract uh, the workforce to our industry? Have you, what have you seen working? Do you have some practical yeah. ideas that could be helpful? Um, so we get asked this on literally every single client call. So I'm going to start with, I'll give more like a generalist um, answer. And Romy can probably tap into more about if you're also looking at hiring diverse talent, what sort of works like to do, like yep. being a lot more well unconscious bias as she is our DI specialist and knows a lot more about it, even though I am trying to learn as much as everyone else is, but she, she'll give you a far more detailed answer. Um, so what we did a um, salary report last year, and we're about to start doing another one. So those listening in, please take part, because it's so important to basically uh, solving, uh, answering these key questions, like how do you retain, how do you attract the best talent? How can you retain them? So we surveyed hundreds of people around the world from account management, sales, data to be like, why would you choose a job? Why would you stay in a job? And so much was obviously everyone is looking for a higher salary. Everyone's, everyone said they would move for a higher salary, um, but it wasn't the top one. The big thing was was about um, the culture, um, mm. the benefits, and obviously mm. the, work, the work environment. But this is also quite challenging because what the report also showed is that those felt they were more valued when they were in the office because they were more in front of their managers. So it's like almost like conflicting answers because in the US, everyone prefers remote working, it's been adopted there, but they feel less valued. In the UK, people obviously, it's more on average, you're in three days a week. Um, and those ones are more feel more valued when they're in the office. So it's difficult because some people are saying, you know what, we want more flexibility, more autonomy. Uh, but we're not sure if we want to be in the office or not. So I think as a founder listening in, you really need to work out what is the what is the culture of your business because that's ultimately going to decide what type of person joins it. Is it someone who is happy being, you know, more autonomous, working, you know, more remotely, or someone who wants to be involved in the business to the day to day? And in terms of benefits, which um, to attract people, it's fairly basic benefits. It's the it's the healthcare. It's, you know, giving them access to events. It's giving them, you know, cycle to work scheme. I know that's sort of big in a lot of European countries. Mm -hmm. It's definitely big in the UK. Obviously, it's different in the US. Everything's so far apart. Um, And but a big thing was obviously the diversity piece as well. People want to be part of um, a diverse team where they have um, people from all walks of life. And this probably ties into Romy quite closely about um, what she can recommend. And if you're going to get people 
uh, into your business and look at address those um, things I just mentioned, here are some ideas of how you can do that in terms of, um, I guess, unconscious bias, interview training, and so forth. So this this matching with culture uh, and a cultural fit, um, how how do you guys assess for that? What what, what how, how are you guys helping making sure? Because I've I've seen that a lot that you can have a high performing individual over here. When you move that person yeah. into a new setting, new leadership, mm -hmm. new culture, that person can certainly be misfun. I mean, really have a hard time uh, being productive. What What are you guys doing to help with that fit? Lou, yeah. I'm I'm happy to you jump go. in quickly. You go for Personally, it. Personally, and I I hope all my candidates can say the same. I like these people are my friends by the end of the process, especially if it's you know longer mm -hmm. than four or six weeks working together, and Culture is the number one thing in so many ways because on paper, there are loads of good people out there and there's no yeah. right or wrong culture. Some people just thrive in different... Well, I mean, there are in some cases, but so true. some so people true. just thrive in different environments. And I think such an advantage of a recruiter, which people don't big up enough, is that we really get to know these people both on the client side and the candidate side. It's not going to benefit anyone if they go and actually we don't in our heart of hearts think they're a cultural match. And I think that is one of the first conversations you should be having with your client. You know, realistically, you need diverse candidates coming in, but what kind of candidate would potentially not work and what's your reasoning? So I think from the client standpoint, you have to have different cultural fits to get that diversity of thought and you have to foster an environment where it will welcome all of them. But equally, mm. you know, it's our job, I think, to kind of make that call early on and say, they're great on paper, but you know what? Having met your team, I think there could be a bit of friction point down the line. Mm. That's uh, that that's that's really well said. So um, let's just uh, move to the part of DEY that speaks specifically about gender and uh, women in in tech. Uh, we know that we have a, a massive issue: ten percent of the workforce is women. And when you move to the technology front, it drops even further down. So in, in your opinion, what, what can we do as leaders, as industry, as, as individuals to attract more women? What are some of the, I would say, behaviors that we have to rethink or we do to make this an attractive industry for women? Any, anyone? Yeah. Romy, you go for it. Then I've got a couple of things that I'll share as well, what I've seen worked as well. Okay, cool. Well, I could go on and on and on about this. So just put your <laughs> hand up. Cut <laughs> me off when you want to. Um, look, with construction, I think there are always going to be challenges retaining women because the lifestyle that's required. So multiple relocations, long work hours, unpredictable schedules, often on site. Mm. So I do think that it's not solely down to a kind of archaic mindset. However, having said that, Contech in particular is such a great space for women to lead into. And I think the core areas we need to change is, number one, opening up the organizational framework, whether that's a GC or a Contech startup. So if you don't have diversity of leadership from the very top, it's unlikely that it's going to trickle down and be a very diverse team. Mm. Um, people join companies because they can see their future there and kind of see a mentor or a leader who looks like them. And I think that's really important. 
I think mentorships, sponsorship programs, educational initiatives, I'm a believer that you do need those structures in place. Even if a team is naturally diverse and inclusive, as you grow, that's going to be harder to, to keep track of. So having that structure earlier on. I also think awareness around the perks of construction and contech. So the pay gap in construction for women to men is 99.1%, still not 100%, which we obviously don't love to see, but that's closer than almost any other industry. I mean, construction is also uh, an industry which is relatively, I was going to say COVID resilient, but pretty recession proof. Like people are always going to need someone on HVAC, plumber, electricians. Mm -hmm. So it's in terms of gender, a lot more women lost their jobs during COVID than men. And again, just making sure people know, actually, this is a pretty safe bet to, to focus your time and energy on. Um, I'm going to use this time to do the biggest big ups ever to the Women in Construction Tech organization because it, it's fantastic in a group which was so needed. And I think having that support and advocacy, having just done word of mouth and speaking to our database it really encourages other people to get involved. It connects not just women, but people from minority backgrounds to one another and helps you actually build relationships, not just make connections for work. Mm -hmm. And I think those relationships then really level the playing field and give you the right connections to VCs, founders, whoever it may be, and just strengthen the female presence in the space. Um, last but not least, Lou, and then I promise over to you, just ensuring that if you're a founder working with recruiters or working with VCs where DEI isn't lip service, it's actually something they want to achieve for the greater good of the industry. And then, you know, your process from there will naturally abide to that and really help to level the playing field. My yeah. job. And by the way, we are going to post uh, the references to uh, to women in, in, uh, in, in contact and real tech on our show notes so people can go uh, from that experience. So, but thanks yeah. for sharing that. They're looking for, um, uh, they're obviously going, they're going global, but they're looking for, I guess, ambassadors, champions in different chapters to so the European, the US and so forth. I think right. they're going to be at the Built Worlds in um, Tokyo at the end of this year. So if you want to mm -hmm. get involved and be part of, I guess, this almost like movement, please, um, I'm sure Antonio and the team would love to hear. But just picking back on what Aromi said about sponsorship. So I didn't, when I think sponsorship, I always think like investing like money into someone or something. But I think there's such power in like social sponsorship. So if you are a senior person, whether you are a man, woman, non-binary, whatever it may be, is saying about this person might not have all the skills you think they need for whatever job it is, but you need to have a, you need to speak to them. I think there's so many, we didn't go to these, so many job specs is so, have about a million, you know, responsibilities in them. And women are, I mean, significantly less likely to put themselves forward wherever, whereas a man is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm not saying it's a man's fault for doing that, you know, good on them. But it's really sort of encouraging women to sort of put themselves forward, but also other people say, hey, this person has this incredible personality, which lends itself to this account management role, this customer success, whatever it is. And Romy sort of very much focused on just general construction, which obviously is such a big industry. But within construction technology, I don't think people realize about the power and the importance of all these softer skills, which, you know, open up a whole array of opportunities and not um, super technical, you know, and don't have to be around data analytics, don't have to be around sort of 
engineering don't have to be around plumbing or electricians which people mm. aren't you know some people aren't trained up to do so I think um it's important for people to share uh, these different career routes with um with women um, and everyone so they can actually get into this space and go hey I'm good at that which is super mm. important because people just don't know and I'm sure obviously Seren you've um you've grown your business and I'm sure you don't just have people from construction you don't have people just from let's mm. say a data or a big tech company I'm sure they come from I'm sure they come from you know everywhere which I'd you know love to hear a little bit more from you if you don't mind me asking you a question no I mean (laughs) so first of all this is uh, on the top of our agenda when we formulate our objectives for the year everyone in TrackMed knows that our number one objective sitting just below overall engagement is actually to increase the women in our business yeah. And uh, I would say that approximately, I mean, we are we're in around thirty uh, percent, which is uh, which is not bad. I also know that we are a Nordic company, where I think from a tech point of view, we have you know worked hard on getting women into tech for quite some time. When I move yeah. that to the U.S. or to North North America in general, it drops quite uh, dramatically. Um, when it comes to the board of directors, when it comes to our management team. Here, it's off the chart bad, really bad. And we uh, are you know, determined to improve that uh, at the highest level of leadership uh, in our company. I'm finding one of the most inspiring people that I've worked with in my career is Jean-Pascal Tecois from Schneider Electric, mm. who made this uh, an effort like literally 20 years ago. And just look at how Snyder Electric is performing as a company. And I subscribe that to more women in leadership, more women, thoughts, behaviors, ideas, and the way that women lead and offers a much more diverse perspective to critical decision making. Mm -hmm. It just goes without saying that this is good for business, it's good for the environment, it's good for the industry as a whole. Yeah. So for the first time, we've actually put... Uh, a target on the number of women we want to have in uh, our company and I, honestly I think it's the it's the only way because there, there are so many reasons that you could argue one way or the other I keep hearing the debate on you've got to have the best candidate yes that's right but if you don't have your eyes and ears open and tailor your search tailor mm-hmm. and, and control your biases to hire someone like yourself this is never going to happen yeah. So um, I'm also very passionate about this. Uh, and I also have an editor in my ear telling me that we're coming to the end of our time. <laughs> I'm sure the three of us can talk about this for uh, forever. Um, but I, I want to thank you guys for uh, amazing perspectives, great insights, uh, great reflection on this very important topic. And I want to thank all our listeners. Um, and don't forget to subscribe and tune in for more episodes on the downtime talk. So thank you, Louisa. Thank you, Romy. Really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us.